0: batteries are going flat. Let's hope that it doesn't happen with what I'm talking about this morning. I want to look at relationships, and we definitely don't want flat batteries in our relationship. It's one of the hardest things that we can manage, and it's one of the easiest things to say, relationship. You talk to anyone who's done Alpha marriage course, and the... Avenues that are opened up, the topics that are opened up for discussion there, they bite deep and get into areas that uh, can be very uncomfortable sometimes. And it's just simple relationship. At first, I, I just tell you about my family. You'll look at people and you think, oh, yeah, they've got it all together and their relationships are good. It's not always the case. So I'm the youngest of seven five sisters, one brother. The first six were born in about eight years and I'm straggling along several years later. The first child that my parents had was Margaret and she died at about six months old. So never knew her and that, and that, that put an effect on the rest of our family. It was a, a, a time just, just post-war. Dad was in uh, rehab. And uh, mum was on her own. So it it took a toll on the rest of us as as kids. But as we get older we understand that and we know and we learn to live that. As the rest of my family were growing up and they were leaving home was about the time when I was starting to get around. I was starting primary school, they were starting to leave home. We're going to Anna's family. She's one of nine. She's the middle child. Six brothers, two sisters. Both of her sisters have departed. So you look at this this pain, there's relationship broken. There's there's life that's going on. We look at our family. We've got four sons. Three of them are married, and between them, they've got eight sons. So eight grandsons, They're all boys. And though our relationships there are generally good, there's also strain in some areas too. So why, why am I telling you this? It's relationship, it's family. It's, it's not always pretty, it doesn't always work. And as we come towards Christmas we need to perhaps reevaluate where we're at in relationship. So no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we look at getting things right, no matter how hard we, we work at our relationships, they don't always work because we're not the only party involved. At Mount Clear, we've got seven core values. Relationship is the first of them. Everything God does is for relationship. Integrity, the strength, integrity of heart is crucial to our God and crucial to our house. Commitment, we will say stay the course we will do what we say life we are a house of people full of life faith to be and to do required faith excellence all we do is done with excellence the best that we can give it and worship because worship is the heart of God but I want to look at relationship there's two facets of relationship there's the vertical between us and God And there's a horizontal between us and our family. It's difficult to have a sound, horizontal relationship if we haven't got a strong vertical one to hang it on. That's my opinion and I think a few share that. So our core value in relationship, everything that our God did was for relationship, relationship with him, relationship with each other. He paid the highest price for this to be so. Our house will be a house that is founded and built on relationships. And the basis of relationship, this is where we'll see grace, we'll see love, we'll see encouragement, and we see respect all abound. See, good relationship exists when these four are in existence. So you look at grace. I try to define these words, and it's... You say, yeah, yeah, simple words, but they're not necessarily that simple. Grace is the undeserved favour. So when we feel grieved, we still forgive. When we feel hard done by, we still get forgiveness. So Paul knew about grace. Paul experienced God's grace. If you look at Galatians 1, Paul starts off most of his letters with this thing of grace you look at Galatians chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a common opening to all of his letters to the churches. grace. In verse 13, Paul then speaks of how rigorously he persecuted the early Christian church. And You can follow the story in Acts that Paul was just out to get it. I think if we were being subjected to the sort of persecution that Paul was subjecting to the early church, I don't think we would show much grace. But in verse 15, God shows Paul grace. Not only showed him grace to forgive him, he showed him grace to forgive him to the extent that he had him lead the early church. Grace undeserved. A love... The second of those those words love is the desire to do life together to give all to someone you love it's probably one of the hardest words to define we've got society's definition of what love is so i don't want to go down that path i want to look at what god says love is and and again paul defines love in first corinthians 13. big definition of love you hear it here at uh recited so many times, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love is not boastful, it is not proud, it is not rude, love does not seek self, love is not easily angered, love keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres love never gives up it's a bit removed from the definition of love that we we hear so much on TV and the movies and uh, the the uh, the soapies that we don't watch encouragement the words and attitudes that build each other up very similar to praise encouragement and in, in its definition but there's a big difference praise is words of encouragement, but they're words of encouragement when we do something right. Encouragement is words of lift us up regardless of what is going on. Encouragement to lift us up when we're down, when we're in the valley, or or we haven't necessarily won the race, we still give words of encouragement. And respect, the last of those four. Respect is honour given, honour given for achievement, honour given for position held regardless. We honour our government, we honour our civic leaders regardless of whether we voted them into office or not. They have been put in place. We honour our, our civil law keepers. We honour our leaders. Whether we agree with them or not, we honour them. We respect them because they hold the position. The four verbs that can apply to something that we can receive or expect to receive but when they are applied as we give them without expectation of return they are four of the most powerful verbs that we can find when we show grace to someone who we find undeserving or we think undeserving when we show love when we offer encouragement when we show respect created within us is an attitude that is non-judgmental an attitude that changes our thinking our inner self, an attitude that allows us to interact with people regardless of who they are, what they do, what they think, what they believe, and we do it without condemnation. That's relationship with each other. That's relationship that is based on what comes out of the Word. Whatever our, our relationship with God? How does that go? How does that work? We were created for a relationship with God. It's a fact. Refer to Genesis 2 and 3. And I, I, I like to read that, and I think the last times I've read that, I've looked at it and i put myself in that situation and not just read the words that are there, but read the words that aren't there. As in, why is this so? Why has that happened? And you can see... There's a bigger story involved in there. In Genesis 2, seven, the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Adam carried God's breath. In verse 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care for it. God had a job for Adam to do, to tend the garden. But in verse 18, God had realised that though all the animals had been created, though all of the plants were there, there was no companion for Adam. There was no one of likeness for him. There was no one for him to have a one-on-one relationship with. It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a suitable helper for him. 19 and 20, God made all the animals, birds, fish, and Adam named them, but among them there was no suitable companion for Adam. So the story continues that God made woman. In verse 24 and 25, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one. And the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. It's interesting, in verse 7, God created man, and in 24... We hear about man leaving home, getting married and that's Adam and Eve. We just have Adam and Eve in in the story. It's an outline for our relationship of man and woman and husband and wife. And I think the nakedness they talk about there is not a nakedness necessarily physical but it's a nakedness of heart, a nakedness of emotion. There was nothing hidden between them, there was no secrets. There was no shame. They knew each other that well. Their relationship was so deep that there was, they were completely bare. It goes past that physical. Is this God's ultimate relationship? Is this what God desires for us? I think it is. The start of Genesis 3 is the story of deception and the eating of forbidden fruit. We go to verse 8, and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. There's lots of thoughts and theologies about the, the, the forbidden fruit, but it took away that innocence. It took away that, that nakedness that they had, that, that emotion that they shared. When they heard God walking in the garden, Adam and Eve knew the sound of God walking in the garden because they were familiar with it. It happened regularly. God walked in the garden. We know sounds as we're sitting at home and we hear the the front gate open. We hear someone coming on to the front door or or wherever. You know the sound because it happens. You're familiar with it. We get familiar with sounds. God walked in the garden frequently because they were in relationship they were familiar with that sound God's visits must have been frequent they must have had conversation they must have had all sorts of stuff going on, they had relationship how's your relationship with God? I think Adam and Eve's relationship as written there is a, is a model for us to look to Is it valid for us today? It's a long time ago. It was a different age and a different time. We live here and we live now. A lot of our relationships happen in social media. A lot of our relationships happen in media that... it means that don't necessarily sit face to face. You know when we sit face to face, we get the expression of words that are said. We get the expression that is intent that's behind words. That doesn't happen in social media. How many times people get misunderstood from stuff that's written? How do we strengthen our relationship with God? It's a passage that's it's repeated in several forms, but I'll pick the one out of Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It's when Solomon was dedicating the temple, and says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land." Let's look at it. my people. That's us. Called by my name, followers of Christ humble ourselves to assess our position understand who provides acknowledge God Almighty be humble and we pray and seek we get on our, on our knees and pray to God we scour the word and seek what God's desire is for us and God comes through so it doesn't say he might hear it doesn't say he might do something it says he will hear from heaven and will act There's no mites and maybes in there, they're definites. But we've got to do something. We've got to make that first step. We've got to get after God and we've got to be humble. Some of us grew up learning to fear God. That God was a God of retribution, that that there was a a cartoon image of God with the the bolt of lightning and if you did something wrong, look out, you were going to be cinders. That's so wrong. God is a God of love. God desires relationship, good, healthy relationship. So put that back into 1 Corinthians 13. And you say, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrong. God does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never gives up. More proof that God is after relationship. You look at Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42 verse one to five. We got it? And here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him; he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out; he will ra- or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break; a smoldering wick he will not suff- snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter nor be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who stretched out the earth and all that comes in it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk on it, Verse 3, the tender heart of God. A bruised reed he will not break. We're all bruised. He won't break us. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. How You picture a candle. How it's very hard to hold a candle light in the wind. In faithfulness he brings forth justice. Jesus was not the enforcer of the law. Jesus came to heal the broken, to raise them to a life of fullness, not to crush them. So take that through to John 8, a story we're all familiar with, verses 2 to 11. And Jesus was come down from the Mount of Olives and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts. All the people were gathered around him as he sat down to teach them, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have... A basis for accusation but jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them if any one of you is without sin let him be the first to throw a stone again he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first until only jesus was left with the woman still standing jesus straightened up and asked her, woman where are they? Has no one condemned you? And no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. If you look deeply into this, in verse 2, Jesus sat down. And there's no nowhere there does it say he stood up again. He was squatting down. And she came in and stood. And so he was looking up to her. He did not look down on her physically. He didn't look down on her emotionally. He did not condemn. And when he seated position, in verse 6, Jesus, while sitting, leant forward and was scratching something in the dirt on the floor, the dust, drawing pictures, doodling, whatever. Verse 7, he straightened to reply. Verse 8, he bent back to the ground again. And even in verse 10, when he addressed her, verse 11, he was still sitting on the ground. So here's someone who so easily in our law we would condemn. We criticise. We would say, you're doing the wrong thing. We put so many laws or we can put so many laws on people. Don't eat this. Don't drink that. Don't go out with that person. There's no condemnation here. It's a model for us. It's how we can model relationship. Non-condemning. Regardless of what people do, that's between them and God. It's not between us. It's not for us to point fingers at people. So how do we get to be like this? Humility, prayer and seeking. No condemnation. Matthew 7, 7, with humility, prayer and seeking, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened, pretty positive, there's no maybes, there's no, it's, you will, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. God is waiting for us to come around. I think I believe this relationship is about us getting our attitude to the God relationship right. If we go back into that, we go back to that Isaiah 42. You now, A bruised reed he will not break. And a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. We can be like that. We can treat the bruised reeds with non-condemnation we can we can treat the smoldering wicks without blowing them out we can show them love we can show each other love it's about our attitude i just finished a book a dr Morris rawlings called to Rawlings to to helen back towards the end he's telling of an encounter he had with god and concluded with, and sort of it's, it went on for half the chapter so I won't read all of that, but he concluded with, it was the most humbling experience of my life. It revealed to me not who I am but who he is. And I knew this was an experience with Jesus Christ. I knew I was finally in him and he in me. It's not who I am but it's whose I am and who he is. It's about relationship with god what about relationship with each other i believe when we change our god relationship that our family relationship can change we get the god jesus holy spirit relationship happening we get the attitude happening right in that area then we can show a different face to other relationships we can take a different attitude into our workplaces, we can take a different attitude into our family relationships. let face it, we're going to, over the coming weeks, we're going to have lots of family gatherings and get together for Christmas meals. And as, as with, with our families, there's, there's relationships that aren't necessarily all good. But we take this attitude in there and we can, we can perhaps show a different face who knows what might happen we take god into the into that situation we take god into that relationship we take god into that meeting through us who knows what might happen who knows who we might reach we don't have to preach it we just have to be it a so relationship on the surface it's a simple thing but a good deep and meaningful relationship can be one of the hardest things to achieve and it can be hard to maintain, but it's so much less about me, and it's so much more about you.' I'm going to just bury and the team to come back and we'll we'll wind this up so do you want to deepen your relationship with God? Do you want to spend some Do you wanna go deeper? Do you wanna look further? Do you want we can look at praying into that. We can look at We've lost half our team. <laughs> chains that bond you, break those chains that hold you in that relationship from being what it wants to be. We just pray that they will be broken. We pray as we go into this season, Father, as we gather with family, that you can be with us, that you we can take a different face of your design for us, Father.